hello everyone. Welcome to Weekday Devotion. This is Pastor Daniel Carr, and today we're going to begin uh, going through the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2. And this week, we'll just be looking at the first seven verses. So today particularly, just verse 1. So open up your Bible, 1 Timothy 2, and we shall begin. Chapter 2, verse 1. First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. So we re-engage here with this letter that Paul's writing young Timothy. And just as a reminder from last week, Timothy is here on mission by Paul to the church in Ephesus. And so Paul had started the church at Ephesus along with Priscilla and Aquila. And uh, Timothy had joined him later and became a part of Paul's ministry. And so here, Timothy was left by Paul in Ephesus to address some things, address some issues. And so here, uh, as we looked at last week, kind of introduced more about, you know, the role of the elder pastor and things that Timothy was called to do. Uh, There were, you know, elders, preachers teaching untruths, teaching wrong things. And so Timothy's supposed to straighten that out. But now we're kind of transitioning to, um, you know, what are what are the he's charged Timothy um, to to live out his gifting, to live out that which was prophesied over him, to fight the good fight, kind of at the end of chapter one, and now he's kind of transitioning into his instructions for how to lead the church, and we see this phrase first of all, in other words, of first importance. Uh, here's where you begin, and he begins with talking about prayer. So, so many times throughout the scripture, we see the priority of prayer. Prayer is emphasized as very important, very critical. Uh, If you look in Ephesians chapter 6, where the Apostle Paul talks about the the armor of God, he talks about all these defensive applications like the helmet of faith, the the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. All of these are defensive mechanisms, but he wields two weapons— it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and he says, and pray at all times for the saints. So the Word of God and prayer are our offensive weapons. You know, and prayer is just kind of encompassing. Prayer can be both defensive and offensive, but it is a weapon that we wield. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, the weapons that we have are not physical or not carnal, but are mighty in God for the destruction of strongholds. And one of those weapons that we wield, that we can fight the enemy with, that we can uh, wage spiritual warfare with, is the weapon of prayer. And so here, Paul starts this chapter, this transition of giving now instructions to Timothy about how to lead the church, saying, first of all, most important is, I urge you to pray. And then he goes into um, four different kinds of prayers. And the first he says is supplications. Supplications. We see the word to supply here. And in the Greek, this just means to to entreaty, to, to make a petition, to ask, to seek, to request. So supplication are those times, are those kinds of prayers where we ask God for something specific. We ask God to heal someone. We ask God to supply our needs. You know, give us this day our daily bread. And it's part of the Lord's example prayer. That is a prayer of supplication. You know, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who, who sin against us. So forgiving us, those are supplication-type prayers. We are seeking from God some sort of answer, some sort of movement, uh, something specific. 
um, in your life for him to supply for you. That Those are prayers or supplications. Now, a lot of times I've heard just in my, you know, 25, 26 years, 27 years now, wow, 27 years of ministry, um, just, you know, people will say, well, I, you know, I know God's busy or I feel selfish if I ask God for something, but that's not selfish at all. I mean, God wants to be intimately involved in every aspect of our lives. I mean, here's the thing. God already knows what we need. He knows in advance of what we need, but by us praying to him, he's going to satisfy that need by answering prayer. A a great example of this is found way back in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter two. If you pick up in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, the Bible says that God said it is not good for man to be alone. So I will create for him a compliment, a helper, one who completes him. And so God saw that need. This is before the fall. So before the fall, it still was not good for man to be alone. Well, God doesn't immediately answer that need, though. God first lets Adam feel the need. And so he sees the need, and it says in God, you know, created from, you know, all the animals, brought the animals to Adam for him to name. He names them all and notices that each one has a compliment, has a helper. There's male and female, to which Adam draws a conclusion. Wait a minute, where's my helper? Once Adam recognizes his need, it's then that God puts him into the deep sleep, takes his rib, fashions woman, and blesses Adam with the completion of humanity, Eve. And so Adam is so satisfied, he breaks out in the very first song of scripture, uh, a song about his wife, finally, one who is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, I will call her woman, right? Because she was created for man. The first song in all the scripture shows Adam's delight, his satisfaction in God answering his need. So in our relationship with God, when we go to God and we ask for something, it is God has revealed that need to us because God wants to meet that need in a way so that we are satisfied in him. Kind of goes back to the the Westminster Confession. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, to experience deep satisfaction in the Lord. Well, that happens as he satisfies our needs in a way that only he can and in a way where we know it is him that's doing it. So pray to God, ask God for your specific needs and watch him supply. And then the second word is that of prayers. And this is a more just a general sense of the word prayer, but it involves here the concept of relationship. So this is enjoying that relationship with God, the prayer, the, the experience, his presence with us. And then we move to intercessions. And this is the, the act of praying to God on behalf of someone else. You are putting yourself in between, if you will. You're becoming like a relay. Hey, this person needs help. So God, I'm crying out to you on behalf of this person. We, we pray in intercessory prayers. It could be for someone to be saved. It could be for someone to be healed. It could be for God to answer their prayer or for God to um, intercede in their life in a way that, that it brings him glory and honor and builds that person's faith. It is when we go to God on behalf of someone else. Now, we're not the only ones doing this. It's really interesting in Scripture. Uh, the book of Romans talks about, chapter 8, how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in these groans and things only understood within the Godhead. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. We also see from the writings of Paul that Jesus himself intercedes for us. So there's a great question right there to help your prayer time is, what is Jesus praying for you about? That is a powerful thought.
But then lastly is the word thanksgivings, this fourth kind of prayer where we give thanks to God for what he's done. Whereas we praise, praise is about attributing to God the glory to his name, praising God for who he is. That's adoration. But this is Thanksgiving, where what he's done, we thank him. The Greek word here is Eucharisto, which is translated, I give thanks. And any of you that may have a Catholic background, you know that in the Catholic tradition, uh, the, the Lord's Supper or communion is traditionally called the Eucharist. Well, that's straight out of Greek, Eucharisto, I give thanks. So the whole purpose of the Lord's Supper is to thank God, to thank Jesus for what he's done, to remember him, to honor him, to worship him in a spirit of thanksgiving. Elsewhere in Paul says, like in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, to give thanks to the Lord in all things, for this is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving should be the attitude we constantly carry with us as followers of Jesus. We are to be thankful at all times. So what are you thankful for today? What do you have to thank Jesus for? I would encourage you as we finish here to kind of hit pause on your day and just begin to make a little simple list. What are you thankful for? I know every year leading up to Thanksgiving, my wife, Tara, she makes a list of a thousand things that she's thankful for. And it is such a healthy exercise because when we focus on what to be thankful for, we begin to stop worrying about those problems. I pray you walk tightly with Jesus today. I'll talk to you tomorrow.